if you go to ChatGPT and type in a sentence, but leave out the last five words, it will still know pretty accurately what the five last words you're going to say is. The same thing you're doing as a human when I'm talking to you. Before I'm done saying the last word, you already know what I'm about to say. And some people are really annoying and they start answering. They cut you off because they already know. They think they know what you're about to say. And that's, that can get kind of annoying. So we actually had the same issue because we're doing the same thing as a human is doing. And we can generate the response that it returns to us based on what it thinks you're about to say, generates the response, and we can generate the text to voice with a very human-like sounding voice in less than 80 milliseconds. Welcome to the 5G Guys podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R-T-E-X dash U-S dot com. Welcome to another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith, and joined by my co-host, Dan McBall. Hey, Wayne. Hey, everyone. Thanks for coming back for another episode. Today's guest is an entrepreneur. He's an accomplished musician and a telecom company founder. His story is a great background into how the telecommunication industry works and behind the scenes on how the latest and greatest technologies like AI and open source hardware and software reshaping the enterprise phone service as we know it. I don't think I could do justice giving our guest's background full credit for everything he's done, but uh, I'd like to welcome Peter Schroeder, the founder and CEO of Telzio. Peter, welcome and thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. That's a true pleasure. To, I, I've been actually looking forward a lot to this. It's time to geek out a little bit, right? <laughs> I love this. Yeah. yeah, well, we love to geek out. So, well, this should be great. So, I guess maybe start out, just help our listeners understand a little bit more of your background and how it became what's now your company tells you. Yeah. Uh, I, like you said, I have a background in, in music. Um, but aside from that, I've always been a nerd. Uh, I've always been coding since I was pretty much six years old and grew up with the internet. Uh, you know, I was. 14 when I launched my first website back in 1998. And I've always been kind of, technology has always been my main thing. And then on top of, you know, being interested in music and having uh, parents that uh, were musicians, always combined those things. So the music I produced back then was always, you know, electronic music and nerding out. And I was, you know, creating own plugins, uh, coding that. And so always been very fascinating about this hybrid between uh, technology and software and audio and streaming, uh, you know, and these kind of things. So without going too much into details about the music background, back in 2013, I was working on a different project. I had an idea for some promotion platform and I needed to, or I needed a phone number. And I couldn't find anything out of the box. So I just built my own and that was more fun. So I created a phone company. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, that's the 
I guess, the high-level story, the quick and dirty one. I really just needed it. I came out of necessity and I wanted something that I could manage easily. So I made my own. And if you go further back, I mean, my grandfather was a telephone technician, so I grew up with phones uh, all around. And he brought back old faxes and telexes and stuff that I could take apart and see what was going on. So I've always been fascinated for some in some kind of weird way about phones. There's just something about it. That's a great story. It's funny you say that. I had a similar, my grandfather was a telephone installer in the rural parts of Kansas. And when I got my first job out of college working for Sprint, he was so excited and so happy for me and, you know, carrying on the tradition of being a telephone geek. So uh, that's a great story. It kind of resonates with me. So, so when we think about phone systems, like Telzio does, like for Wayne and I being old guys, like we think about back when you were sitting in our cube at our desk and, you know, we had these phone systems with these, you know, Nortel complicated desktops and all this hardware sitting in the closet. That's not what Telzio is and what these systems are anymore, is it? No, I think the main shift that happened was around the beginning of the new millennium, like around 1998 to 2002, I think when things really started shifting over to become VoIP, voice over IP, right? And it became real digital. I mean, uh, yeah, the old PBXs were also digital and they had each their own protocol for the phones that they rolled up, but you still had analog lines uh, going into your, your office or maybe you did have like some kind of digital line out to the carrier, but it was very much an on-premise play. And then you got these uh, VoIP systems and pretty soon after that, uh, you started seeing, well, why do we even put that server in our office? Now there's something called cloud. So before it was called cloud, but there was still, you know, you started seeing these co-location hostings and centers and uh, companies started to move more and more things away from their actual office premise and just into a more secure, uh, a safe place, uh, like a hosting data center. So we started seeing these products, uh, also some open source things like asterisk uh, popping up where you could all of a sudden just deploy a whole, uh, PBX as a piece of software onto a server. And then you could connect that over the internet with SIP, an open protocol as well, uh, to another uh, PBX uh, with a carrier that offered you uh, what we call a trunk, SIP trunk, uh, allowing you to essentially just uh, not have any physical lines anymore, but uh, connect to your carrier over the internet, which gives you a lot more freedom on uh, anything from how many lines you want and the applications you want to build. So that's the shift that happened. And then during the 2000s, that, that kept developing and Telshio kind of came in the middle of this and and, uh, and we created like the first real generation or we were part of the first real uh, generation of real cloud solutions where you can just go on a website, click on sign up and boom, you have a full phone system with way more features that you could ever have wanted from uh, the old school PBXs. And on top of that, well, let's not call it just phone anymore. Let's add texting and all kinds of other uh, collaborative features and things. So yeah, uh, while it has similarity with the functionality of the old systems, a lot of the features still exist. Uh, it's very different in terms of software now. Got it. And so what would be an example of the types of customers that are leveraging your technology and, and what's unique about it that they gravitate towards? Yeah, I always get asked, like, what, what's your uh, customer segment or target? And I say, well, a business that needs to communicate with their customers is <laughs> really it. It's, all businesses need to communicate in some kind of way. Uh, and because it's not just phones, 
you could argue that, that, you know, not all businesses might need a phone number. I would argue against it, but some would probably say that not everyone needs a phone number, but everyone needs to communicate in some kind of ways. Then you need email, you need uh, chat, you need all these other channels. And that's really our customers. Like we, we provide those things. So in any business that really needs to communicate would need some kind of platform to do it. And that's what we provide. Yeah. So, so Dan, that's a good segue. And so you're serving companies in 30 countries, which means that, you know, with your solution is super scalable, right? You don't imagine. And so, you know, for here in the U S what we've seen over the last few years is the push away just into the mobile wireless environment, you know, like I think we still do in some of our offices, we still have uh, meeting centers that are set up with conference rooms and but you know, we're using other tools such as our wireless plans and Slack and other communication platforms. Kind of, you know, tell us the difference and, you know, what, you know, where are the differences? In- yeah, I would say things are changing again. Uh, you know, like, like, like I was touching on the big change that happened uh, around uh, 2000. That's happening against times three right now. Things are going from being phone service or phone and text to being everything. And that's really because the customer's preferences are the end user, the consumers, their preferences are changing and they are demanding to be able to contact or talk to their vendors or the businesses they buy from in the way they prefer themselves, their own personal preference. So I might not want to call a company and talk to them. Uh, I might want to just send them a tweet or a direct message or an SMS, or maybe I want to, uh, maybe I'm old school, I want to send them a letter, but I want to contact them the way I want. And I want them to respond to me at that place. And I want them to do it right now. And a really good example is actually my, myself. I, I was buying a new car uh, half a year ago or so, and I was deciding between two brands, you know, cars are very similar. I found two that I liked and they were pretty much the same car. It's just two different brands. And I had gone test driven uh, one of them. I had decided on that one. I was actually good to sign. So just had one question uh, about the engine in there and what would it cost to get the uh, the one model bigger engine. So I sent an email to that guy, uh, to, to the dealer that uh, helped me test drive it. And I had a business card that he gave me when we left the dealership. And I sent him an email asking, hey, what's uh, the price for the upgrade? And I didn't hear anything back. And then two weeks later, I had bought a, a car from the other brand. I got an email back from him saying, oh, sorry, I, your email somehow got lost uh, or something, something. Here, here, do you still need the information? And I'm like, no, I already bought another car. So you lost a sale right there just because you didn't check your email or whatever it was. So I could have called him, right? I had his business card, but instead I went to the other dealership and bought another car. Uh, and you got to expect your customers do the same. Like you can't expect them today that they will contact you uh, in the way you tell them to. It needs to be available everywhere. And that's what the change is really happening right now, like since the last couple of years. And then you can slam some AI and stuff and all that stuff on top of it. There's a lot of things going on right now. Yeah. So pretty amazing. And I think one of the things that comes to mind, and you know, Dan and I chatted briefly is how do you build a, a telephone company? You know, because for over the years, and it's evolved dramatically, but there's a lot of regulatory and hurdles to jump through for emergency services and all of these other types of 
cross-border tariffs and all this stuff. So how do you do that? I mean, I, don't, we, I think our listeners would love to learn that, that question. Me too. I wish I would have asked that question when I started. Uh, I think I'm very naive and uh, persistent. And that's why we got as far as we are now. Because <laughs> when I, if I'd known back in, in uh, 2012-13 when we started the company and started building this thing, how much regulation and stuff there is to learn uh, and barriers to entry and how big your competitors are, uh, I would, probably wouldn't have done it, uh, you know. But I was like, hey, this is fun. This is a good idea. Let's build it. So luckily, and I kept going, I'm too persistent. And I think the way we did it was really, we started out easily where we started using some uh, uh, aggregators and uh, and C-Lake carriers that uh, could provide us uh, a lot of the uh, infrastructure without us having to build so much. So not to cut you off, but let's, let's stop there. Explain for our listeners, what is a C-Lake, C-L-E-C? Yeah, CLEC, uh, Competitive Local Exchange Carrier is what it stands for. And it's it's a carrier. It's, I would almost say they're, it's it's not really a thing anymore uh, in my book. Uh, CLEC carriers came around, or that term came around in 1994 when uh, the telecommunications bill was updated and uh, uh, the monopolies were essentially broken. And they were, uh, it's a law that, that basically mandates that any, a company should be able to have equal playing rights in the phone industry. So that means that if you want to make a phone carrier, uh, you shouldn't have to roll out new infrastructure everywhere in America from day one uh, and new cables to everyone. Everyone should be able to share the same infrastructure and lease it to each other on fair playing ground. So that means that uh, AT&T might own some of the hardware, the physical cables, but they have to sell you service uh, to your customers and lease this uh, to you at the same cost that they charge or that they incur themselves for running that infrastructure so that there's fair uh, game for everyone. Sounds like how I understand it, being a wireless guy. But yeah, I mean, because they're leveraging public right away, that is, so because of that, they have to then allow those wires to be to the benefit of the general good of the public, regardless of what company it's for. I think that's kind of the foundation of that that logic. And the reason why I say that's kind of not a thing anymore, really, is because the old days where we had physical routing of phone calls uh, between rate centers is kind of going away. Uh, everything is over the internet now is actually going, a lot of it going on the public internet. And you don't need to have a physical presence uh, in every single little city uh, in order to uh, provide service there. Uh, and you don't even have to go through someone who has a physical presence. And that's because a lot of people don't have landlines anymore. You have your cell phones and you have things like Telzio that where we provide, you know, most of our users use either an app on their cell phone that they already have a cell phone, a personal cell phone. Then now you all of a sudden have your business calls coming on that one on the app. Or you use an IP phone, which is on your desk, you know, with, uh, with just, again, connects to the internet. So because of that, this term C-Leg is kind of going away. Got it. So I think you introduced another great segue into the conversation. We're 5G guys. Wayne and I are wireless guys. We always talk about wireless. And here we've been talking about an enterprise business phone system. And you just introduced the concept of your customers having an app on their phone as one way that they leverage 
your technology. So let's talk a little bit more about that. At what point did you guys realize that you needed to converge with mobile phones and the story behind how that went and how you've gotten to where you're at today with regard to that? Yeah, I, that's actually kind of interesting because like I said, we, we started in, in 2013 and, and when we started out, there was a couple of soft phone apps that you call them, you know, like you have a, an app on your phone that we receive your calls on that is not the native cell phone service, but it's an app that uses the internet connection on your cell phone to make the, and receive the calls. But it wasn't that thing that the OSs on the cell phones really were built for or supported at that point. Uh, it wasn't a common thing. And that was because that was back when we had 3G, we had maybe LTE was just starting to come out. But the bandwidth and the latency and these kind of things were still an issue for making these kind of calls reliably. It started to get better. So in the first couple of years uh, of having Telshield, almost all of our customers just used uh, an IP phone on the desk or we had a... Uh, browser, we still have a browser-based one, you know, with web RCC uh, technology, so we can make these kind of calls through a web browser, which is also the technology we're using right now for doing this uh, call, this interview. And, you know, most of our users use that, but then Apple was the first to roll out uh, a feature set that allows any app, really, to hook into the nat native dialer, uh, meaning that we can make a call ring on the phone uh, and look like it's a regular phone call that comes in. It will still, you know, it will sell you our app name, but it, the UX, UI, the experience for the user receiving an, or making the call is the same as if they received a native call. It's still using the internet uh, and it's still the app doing the call, but it hooks into the phone's own UI. And when that happened, a bunch of other uh, behind the scenes features were added as well that allows us to make these kind of calls. And then it's just exploded. Then that's when... I mean, we have almost 90% of our users are using mobile app and instead of desktop apps or desktop phones now. Uh, and that just happened over the past five, six years. So it's a mix between the feature set on the uh, phones, the iOS and Android operating systems, and then the fact that the internet is getting much better now that we can make these calls reliably. So, so the first hurdle was literally the operating system on the phone being opened up so that you could leverage it. And then once that happened and you now had your app native on the phone and integrated in, what was the next hurdle? Was there any additional hurdles with regard to the fact that you are now using a wireless data connection versus a wired data connection that caused any challenges for you guys? Yeah, so the interesting thing with that is that your cell phone uses uh, something called VOLTE, voice over LTE, right? And that's how phone calls are made on a cell phone now. And that is really just also a VoIP call uh, happening. Uh, it wasn't always like that. It's something that has changed too. I would say around 2015, we definitely still had issues with uh, jitter, uh, latency, internet connections not being good enough. Even, you know, making a call on being on Wi-Fi. Sometimes customers would call in and say, hey, my call is choppy and it's all cutting out and I can't hear anything. Like, are you on Wi-Fi? Do you have chicken wire in your walls at home between your access point? You're like, yeah, try turning off your Wi-Fi and see if it works better. And it does. So there's all these different things that come into play when you want to make a phone call with no latency. I mean, we want to be under 100 milliseconds latency to make it sound uh, fluent and uh, with no, no like delay when you're talking, noticeable delay. And and these things have improved a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, with 5G, 
that latency is gone. Like, there's no, none anymore. That's not, like a non-issue. With 4G and LTE, much better than it was before. But before that, we couldn't really do it reliably. The technology just wasn't there for it. Yeah, you know what I hear is interesting uh, as you talk, and it's almost like we're in this space. And to your point earlier, that everything's converging together, right? That all the regulations and standards on how things were done are actually lagging behind the evolution of the idea to create something new with wireless, broadband, any of the above. And so that is a hurdle for a lot of entrepreneurs like yourself is to you have legacy type regulation and you're trying to uh, innovate to make a better, you know, your solution makes it better for the consumer. Call savings, a lot of different things in there were one unified connection. So what do you think that the future holds when, as it comes to it? Because, you know, I read your stuff. GPDR is not easy compliance. Just one regulation or another roadblock on everything that you guys do. And then we haven't talked about AI. And so we can't, and that's the next hurdle, right? And it's regulation. What do you think can be done, you know, to bring these technologies faster to market? The U.S. is bad on this. I wouldn't even call it legacy regulation. It's so funny. It struck me when you said that because... There's a new law that just came in uh, to effect, I think it might be in Colorado last year, that says that uh, there's now a fee per month that we have to pay a tax to the state. The end user essentially has to pay it. Uh, we have to collect it on every available line that they have. It's not per minute. It's not per phone number. It's not per user. It's per available. Line. It's not per utilized line. It's per available line. And that is so counterintuitive. It's a bunch of lobbying, you know, from the old telecom guys that are threatening, uh, threatened by people like us who can deliver a, a, a service at a very low cost compared to uh, them. I mean, they could deliver the same service, but they have a lot of money invested in the infrastructure they built over the past 50 years, right? So uh, that's an issue uh, that we're coming in with this, you know, uh, lower barriers to entry that they had 50 years ago, and we can provide a better product. So what has happened is that, well, let's impose something that prevents them from providing that product. And that's really what they're doing is with Telgeo, we don't worry about how many simultaneous calls you as a company can process. For us, the more calls you make, the better because we charge uh, on usage, right? So uh, we allow you as a customer to just make as many calls simultaneously as you can. That's great. So that means that because we do it unlimited amount of simultaneous calls, we have to essentially collect an unlimited amount of fees. <laughs> like, exactly. That's exactly what's going through my head. I was like, well, how do you determine the, the limit? I mean, we could say, okay, we know how many you're utilizing. What is the max? But we argued that to the state. I'm just like, no, you have to base it off of what they have available. So, okay. So you want us to limit our products and make it worse because of it, like, it's so counterintuitive. And that's just an example of uh, the regulations and the things. The U.S., every single state, uh, and in most cases, every single little city has at least one tax that needs to be collected individually uh, based on where you're making a call to and from. So that, that creates this huge, almost an industry by itself in just taxation. And that's just part of the regulation stuff. It's very interesting how 
that is preventing the U.S. from uh, progressing because we used to be very, very, you know, ahead of everything. But if you go to other countries, because, you know, we operate in, in, in quite a few different countries and I'm from Denmark myself or, uh, originally, so, you know, hence the funny accent. We very much, it's, it's been very much easier for us to operate in other countries uh, and even bec- becoming, you know, a licensed carrier in a country like Denmark that took me probably 20 minutes to fill out a form online with my digital government issued ID. And then we were a carrier. In the US, we've worked on that, uh, you know, getting an, an actual CLEC license for the past three, four years. And we have all of the different uh, approvals now, finally. But that, I, I don't even know. I mean, I would say 12, 13 different instances that we need to, besides the FCC, that we need to get licensed uh, by just to operate. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, we could have a, a whole separate podcast on the, uh, the the role of government and how it can differ between looking out for us versus uh, looking out for others' interests, but uh, we won't go there. This is a tech podcast. <laughs> yeah, getting a little political there, yeah. Right. But let's go a little bit further. And this was the one topic I was looking forward the most to talking to you about. And we briefly touched on it earlier. You touched on it at the very beginning, artificial intelligence. And when you and I first met and we were talking and you brought the topic up, I was like, well, wait a minute. How the heck does artificial intelligence play with what Telzio is doing? Tell the story and let's, I was, it's a cool story. Yeah. So I think it's very obvious uh, what you can do with the latest generation of AI that has, you know, come around for the past like six, six months, chat GPT. And I'm actually very adamant with, when I talk about AI, I said chat GPT and I mentioned that instead of just AI because AI is being used, that term is being used so, so loosely and has been used for the past many years uh, that what is AI? I mean, I actually have a really funny uh, call recording that I did. I, I just recorded a call that I had with Apple. I called their support or their business sales line the other day. Uh, and that's what, you know, what people called AI. I can play that for you. But things have finally uh, taken the turn to where it's ready for real use. Uh, ChatGPT was, you know, the the switch, you can almost say, that was flipped. And we've been waiting for that. We started, I think we registered uh, AIattendant.com uh, as a domain name for a product that we've been preparing to build since 2017. Because we knew this was going to happen, but we didn't want to just put something out that is like what everyone else called AI. Uh, like that's, I feel like that's below the standard. I think it's just annoying, uh, frustrating to, to work. So, so we've been waiting for it to get as good as it is now to launch a product that can truly uh, act on behalf of your company when it answers not just your phone calls, but your uh, texts or your anything really. And, you know, you can train it so fast on all your historical conversations that you've had, you know, uh, with your customers and your customer or your company's uh, internal documentation. So it knows everything that your best employee that has been with you for 20 years knows, and you can train that in less than an hour. Oh, and on top of that, then it will be available 24 seven in all languages, all channels at the same time. Uh, right. So, so that's the product that we have now that, that was finally ready for prime time. And that's just the start. It's, it's fun. <laughs> well, and I remember when we were talking about it, one of the things you talked about is it was too good. Yeah. Right. 
how was it too good and what did you have to do? Explain how it was too good and then what you did about it. Yeah, so we actually have to make it worse. Yeah, in several ways, as a phone call, for example, we transcribe what you say. Uh, so as you're talking into the phone to the AI, word by word, we transcribe it, we, made, we turn it into text. And as that's happening, we feed that in real time, word by word, into this AI agent or, or this uh, AI service, right? And it will start predicting what you're about to say. You can actually do that if you go to ChatGPT and type in a sentence, but leave out the last five words. It will still know pretty accurately what the five last words you're going to say is. The same thing you're doing as a human when I'm talking to you. Before I'm done saying the last word, you already know what I'm about to say. And some people are really annoying and they start answering. They cut you off because they already know. They think they know what you're about to say. And that's, that can get kind of annoying. So we actually had the same issue because we're doing the same thing as a human is doing. And we can generate the response that it returns to us based on what it thinks you're about to say. It generates the response and we can generate the text to voice with a very, very human-like sounding voice in less than 80 milliseconds. That's very fast, right? That's less than a tenth of a second. So before you're done saying the last word, we could start playing back the answer and cut you off. <laughs> so we had to invent an artificial, like a little bit of delay. We had to insert a little sound and stuff like that to make it even more live because otherwise it was just being really annoying to, to work with. And the answers are spot on because, you know, ChatGPT, if you've played around with it, you know how good that is. So it actually has the right answer before you're done saying anything. So we had to do that. And on top of that, the voice that we're returning, that we, you know, generated this like AI sounding voice is so lifelike. And we also like kind of made that a little bit more imperfect, if you will, to make it sound real. Because we don't want it to be like a radio presenter, uh, perfect uh, sounding thing. No, we want it to be a little, uh, you know, stump, like mumbling or like stumble over some words here and there. And that's kind of where we are now. That's really cool. Yeah, it sounds like conversation that me and my wife have all the time. Would you quit interrupting me, Wayne? Because I already think I know what she's going to say or ask. But uh, but then more importantly, I mean, I, I'm, now I'm starting to see, you know, you got your vision, right? And vision's important for entrepreneur. And it's pretty amazing where your solution goes into a company. Now they have unified communication everywhere. Now they can be more efficient by using the AI model for support. So, because there are, true enough, a lot of tickets that can, we run a support system in our company and I think we've done 20,000 tickets. And if I went back and looked, we would probably realize that all of those tickets are very similar. Yep. Right. And so those are places that you can be more efficient. And it, all of this runs on you know, the backbone. And then a lot of cases, things are moving to the fixed wireless and 5G. Yeah. It breakneck speed in better channels than even the cable in the past. So the wireless ecosystem is growing. And this is a great example. I mean, Dan, you know, as an app on the ecosystem. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's funny you mentioned the wireless part of it because we are very focused, again, on speed and making sure that things are efficient and we eliminate the bottlenecks. And Things like AWS, which, you know, Amazon Web Services is pretty much running the internet today. They have some very good products uh, for people like us, at least. Uh, they allow us to deploy uh, workloads, uh, servers, essentially, in the carrier's data centers. So T-Mobile, Verizon, and those guys, 
out at the very, very last uh, spot right before it goes wireless out to the client. We can put a server now. So we can have the stuff uh, that generates these voices and interprets them, which is the heavy part because we need to you know, transmit actual data or like voice, RGP uh, data uh, over the internet. Those things we can do right before it goes wireless. So we can kind of say, okay, the things that are very fast to transmit, which is texts, we can do that over the, pu- the public internet uh, to the AI agent sitting somewhere. Uh, and then the heavy part we put out right next to the cell phone subscriber, essentially. Yeah, and the acronym for that is MEC, right? Mobilized computing, and you're taking advantage of it. Exactly. Well, and we just had a guest on a couple weeks ago, Wayne, a gentleman by the name of Ignacio Contreras from Qualcomm. You know who Qualcomm is. And he was letting us know about how they are now putting that edge computing in the phone. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's not even having to go over the wireless network anymore. Exactly. I mean, you you already have that essentially with uh, Siri and uh, Google Assistant, right? Like that's essentially what's happening right there. Right. Yeah. Well, this is... This has been awesome. We really, you know, when you and I first met, I was like, I'm not sure where this is going to go. And I, I I couldn't be happier with, you know, where the conversation went. And it's exciting to hear. And, you know, I would love to hear the, uh, maybe I'll follow up with you another time, but I'd love to hear your experience with Apple that you were joking about. Is that putting you on the spot? Yeah, I can just do this here. Okay. This, this, I think this will work. Welcome to the Apple store for business. I'm an automated system that can handle complete sentences. So tell me, how can I help you today? Purchase equipment uh, for remote workers in the Philippines. Okay, I'll get you right over to our technical support department. Apple support. Calls are recorded for evaluation to train personnel and improve contact center technologies. If you're calling about charges on your account, say billing. Otherwise, what Apple product or service are you calling about? I'm not calling about a product or service. I'm trying to buy Apple stuff. Was that find my yes or no? No. I didn't hear that. Did you say find my? Please say yes or no. No. My mistake. For questions about charges, say billing. Otherwise, what Apple product are you calling about? This was recorded two days ago. Yeah, we've all been there, done that. So now is this putting you on the spot even more? How would it sound with your platform? I can, uh, yeah, I can actually play uh, a clip of our voice. I can't say the same exact, uh, you know, a, a conversation like that. I don't have that right here available, but I have a, the actual sound of the voice that we're generating where we are kind of trying to make it a little worse than we could. <laughs> yeah. So here's an example. From startups to enterprises, companies worldwide rely on Tazo for mission-critical phone services. Easy to deploy, manage, and scale. From startups to enterprises, companies worldwide rely on Tazio for mission-critical phone services. Easy to deploy, manage, and scale. A couple of examples of them. Crazy. Yeah, this was what we could build ourselves uh, based off of uh, a, like publicly available machine learning data sets and then tweaking that a little bit. So we've come a long way. This whole technology has really gone really far over the past couple of years. Well, it's amazing to tell our listeners how they can find you or how they can find tells you and learn more about what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, petersrober.com is probably the best. It's a very basic website. There's just my name. And then there's a few links at the bottom or icons for 
pretty much all my social media channels, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, so go there. Uh, there's also a link to Telshio from there, petersrubber.com. We'll put a link in the show notes for anyone listening. Go check it out. Some cool stuff going on. Good way to keep in touch with the cutting edge of, uh, of where telecoms going. So thanks again for your time, Peter. Great to have you and look forward to keeping an eye on how you guys are doing. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, dude. Take care. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 